to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want to preach today a message that hopefully will resonate with everybody. And it's a message I've simply entitled, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And I know next Sunday we will be celebrating. It's the week before Christmas, and I, hopefully I plan to preach a, a Christmas message next Sunday. But today, this is what God laid in my spirit, and I want to tie it in with Christmas. But I just sense that, brothers and sisters, there's ever been a time we need to get our eyes off of this world and get our eyes fixed on heaven. It's right now. We're, we're close to the coming of the Lord, and we better not, we better not doubt it. We better not hesitate about it. Uh, We better not compromise it. It is our hope. It is the blessed hope of the church. So that's what I want to preach today. And I I want to read from Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And though it is a word from Jesus to a specific, particular church in a particular location, because it is in the Bible, I believe with all my heart that that word is for this church. It's for the church. So Revelation chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Jesus said, Because you have kept my command to persevere. You didn't give up. You pressed on. He said, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I and many scholars think that is a clear reference to what we often call the great tribulation. And then Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. Amen to the word. You can be seated this morning. This past Sunday, I was not here at High Praises because Leah and I had marked on our calendar to be in Malden, South Carolina, at the Malden Church of God, because my mentor and spiritual father, Bobby Johnson was retiring from pastoring that church and from the ministry, 85 years old. And I knew you were in good hands here, and I could be free to go over there and honor him. And so we did. And we had a wonderful time. Uh, It was just an honor as he was stepping down from over 60 years of full-time ministry. And while we were there, we saw others that we knew that came to celebrate with him, and one couple was Daryl and Mary Croft. When we were at Praise Cathedral many, many years ago, Daryl was the children's pastor, and I was the youth pastor, and then we were both associate pastors, and we became fast friends and good friends working together there, and we maintained our friendship all these years. Daryl is 6'5". When I met him, he was 285 pounds, all muscle, played football for the Citadel Newberry College. Uh, his forearms, his biceps were as big as my upper part of my legs. And uh, he was just a big old guy, and he's older than me. And I, I told I, after a while, I just told him, I said, you're my older brother, Daryl. I didn't have a brother. I just got a sister. But I said, I'm just adopting you as my brother. And so he's always been my older brother, Daryl. And so we, after, they weren't doing a meal or anything, so afterwards I said, are y'all going out to eat? I said, let's go out and eat. And we went to Longhorn Steakhouse up on Woodruff Road and sat there for several hours and fellowshiped and reminisced and told stories and 
remember the good times and laughed. And, man, we, we got stories. And we, we told one story right after the other. And we had such a wonderful time of fellowship. And when I was preparing for this message, I thought about my friend Daryl because Daryl's from Bamberg, South Carolina, and all of us have idiosyncrasies. Every one of us do. We have our little quirky things we do. Everybody does. And Daryl has a little thing that he does, and I don't know if it's from because he's from the low country. I don't know if it's because it's a family thing or it's a Daryl Croft thing, but I've heard him do it more times than I can ever remember. When Daryl wants to say something to you that he feels like is very important, he will start the sentence this way, well, well, look here, and then he'll say it. Well, look here, and then he'll, and when any time Daryl Croft says, well now, well, now look here, and then he says something, I know it's going to be meaningful. And I think he probably did it at the restaurant last Sunday. Well, Jesus is speaking to the church, a specific church and the church, and he's got something very, very important to say, and he sort of starts with his own well, look here. He says, behold, look here. And then he says this great statement that's so simple and profound. I am coming quickly. I'm coming back. This is a promise from Jesus. I am coming back. I'm coming. Get ready. I'm coming. And how many of you know when God makes a promise, you can count on it? When he, when he says he's going to do something, it's going to take place. Three times in Revelation chapter 22, which is the last chapter of Revelation, Jesus repeats this promise, I am coming quickly. I am coming quickly. I am coming quickly. Now, I want to stop here a minute and share a couple of things with you. One has nothing to do with this message, and the other one fits. The first one is you almost potentially did not have your pastor here today because this past week, I had planned, and I did it, I took a few days off to go on a duck hunting trip. I left Wednesday, we, we hunted Thursday and Friday, and the plan was to spend the night Friday night and come back to Anderson Saturday. Where I went was a place called Real Foot Lake in the northwest corner of Tennessee, right near the Mississippi River. And so we hunted, and that Friday afternoon, the ducks didn't fly very well, and I said, guys, we've got the room for tonight. It was a trailer. And I don't know why, but two of them said, why don't we just drive back tonight? Why don't we just drive it straight through? I'll help you drive. We can do it. And I said, well, we've done that before. So we quit hunting early, and we went back to the room, got everything packed up. By 2 o'clock, we had left Real Foot, Tennessee, and started back to South Carolina. And we got in that night about 11 o'clock. We drove straight through. And uh, I, I didn't think anything more about it. I knew they said some storms were coming. I didn't think another thing about it until I woke up the next morning. And two of those guys are texting me and calling me saying, have you seen what's going on in Sandburg, Tennessee? Because we were there at Sandburg, Tennessee. And if you look at the videos of Sandburg, Tennessee, that little bitty tiny town situated on, the, on, on Lake Realfoot has just about been wiped out. And your pastor was there. And we almost spent the night with that massive tornado coming through. And so I was texting the guys in different ones. I didn't know if they were alive or dead. I didn't know what was going on. But I just thought you'd find that interesting. And I thank God for his protective grace and the Holy Ghost inspiring two guys to say, why don't we just go on back? Hallelujah. 
So I'm grateful to the Lord. But while I was in that duck blind Friday, one of the guys, it was our guide, and I always hunt next to him. His name is Jamil. He is, uh, I've hunted several times, so he's become something of a, a, a friend. And as we were talking, he had his duck calls on a, on a, 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 a necklace or whatever you want to call it, and, and he had all these duck bands. And you see, they will, they will take ducks that are young or they'll captured, and they'll put a, a band, a metal band around their leg, and then release them into the wild. And then if you harvest one of those, then that's a cool little thing. You take the band off and you can keep it. And it's usually the U.S. Wildlife Services, and they want you to contact them. It helps them to keep up with the ducks, and, and it's sort of a, a good thing to help keep up with the population, et cetera, and studies and data. And so he had a bunch of them because he hunts nearly every day of the season his whole life growing up on that lake. And he said, preacher, you know, because y'all down south we call preacher, the preacher. And so I, preacher, you ever seen this? And he took off one of those bands, and the guy who bans these ducks He'll, he'll, he'll imprint Revelation 22.7 on it. And he said, preacher, you know what that verse says? I sure do. I said, you want to hear something weird, Jamil? I said, I'm going to talk about that verse Sunday morning. I said, it says, I am coming quickly. He said, that's right. That's a promise from the Lord. I am coming quickly. It is a reference to what we often call the rapture and the resurrection of the saints. Now, I, I believe, and many scholars believe this, many people in the Bible says believe this, that there are, there are sort of two phases of the coming of the Lord. There's where he comes back for the church, that's the rapture and the resurrection, and then he comes back with us seven years later to set up his kingdom upon this earth. And so I believe that Jesus is talking here about the rapture and the resurrection. And Paul tells us more about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. He says, for the Lord himself, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up, snatched up, plucked up. It'll be so strong gravity can't hold us down. Snatched up to meet the Lord in the air with them, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52, Paul elaborates a little more, and he says, Behold, I... I want to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep the sleep of death, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, some people don't believe in this. Some people don't believe that Jesus will return. There are scoffers. There are people that think we're idiots. They think that we're foolish. They think that we believe in, in something that's just a myth, a fairy tale. There are doubters. And then there are some people that believe that the rapture will take place, but they believe that it will occur at, at the end of the tribulation and that we will go through the tribulation and the Lord will come down and catch us up and then we turn around and come right back down with him. Well, I don't believe either one of those. They're, they're post-tribulationists. Now, you may believe that way. You go right ahead. And if you want to go through the tribulation, you go right ahead. I don't plan to do that. I don't believe that's for us. Okay, so I don't buy those. First of all, I believe Jesus is coming again. Okay, I, I, God is not a man that he should lie. And if Jesus said, I am coming quickly, you better believe he's coming again. I may not know when he's coming, but I'm confident that it could occur at any time. 
And then I'm convinced that the saints of God who comprise the true church of the living God will not go through any part of the tribulation period. And here's the reason why. Jesus promised in verse 10, the verse we just put on the screen, that he would keep the church from the hour of trial. And the word from, most commonly in the New Testament Greek, means out of. Out of. So I will keep you out of the trial. That's, so I know that i got to earn master's degree and I'm educated, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes you just need to put all that away and just think about stuff in simple terms. I can't be in it if Jesus has taken me out of it. So I don't plan to be in the tribulation because I'm going to be out of it. Okay? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, Jesus promises to deliver us from or out of the wrath that is to come. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says God did not appoint us to wrath. There is an appointment for sinful people. They are going to go through the tribulation. But that is not the appointment for the church. We have an appointment. God did not appoint us to wrath. Here's our appointment. God appointed us, this is the rest of the verse, to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And salvation is not just going to the altar and praying and saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. That's sort of the beginning of salvation. But at some point, God's going to wrap this thing. I feel the Holy Ghost. He's going to wrap this thing up and finish what he started. And that's when you get the full package of salvation. You have been justified. You are being sanctified, but y'all, one of these days when he comes back, we shall be glorified and that which is perfect shall come. Hallelujah. Come on, you ought to clap and give God praise. Hallelujah. And by the way, let me just say this. We are not going through the tribulation right now. Okay? First of all, the rapture has to happen, and that hasn't happened yet. We're still here. The Antichrist has not been revealed. Now, he might be alive right now, but we don't know who he is, and there is no revived Roman Empire, and and, and there's no military thing that's working in Europe. None of those things are happening that's in the book of Revelation. The oceans haven't turned to blood yet. Okay, The sun's not scorching men with fire. We haven't had the battle of Armageddon yet, have we? Okay, and just so I can state it, please listen to me, covid Vaccine is not the mark of the beast. And and I'm not making fun. I need to say this as a man of God and a student of the Lord. It is not, listen to me, the mark of the beast. Okay? The mark of the beast is something will happen when the Antichrist is in power. If you take it, you you are putting yourself in allegiance with the Antichrist and in total opposition to God. You know what you're doing. You are essentially damning your soul to hell because anybody with the mark of the beast is going to go hell. The Bible says that in Revelation. So you know what you're doing when you do that. And so don't blame COVID vaccine as the mark of the beast. We ain't there yet. And you're not going to be there anyway because we're not going to be down here when all these things happen. You're going to be basking in the presence of Jesus and shouting on the streets of glory. That's our destination. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. So if Jesus said he's coming, I am convinced this is a fact. Why? Because he's already come once. We're in the Christmas season. And we're recalling how 2,000 years ago, the Son of God, robed with flesh, came to this earth, born of the Virgin Mary, to dwell among us, to be Emmanuel, God with us. 
It was a very real visitation from a very real God-man. The Old Testament prophets foretold his arrival, and Jesus fulfilled their predictions, didn't he? Well, guess what? Jesus made some some predictions of his own. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, he said he was going away and that he would return. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Good. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Better translation is rooms. Could you all imagine how big God's house is? There's a room for everybody. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But it is so. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, listen now, I will come again. Now, I'm going to just go a little Pentecostal on you so I can make a point, y'all. He said it, I will come again. But, Pastor, he hasn't come back yet. That's all right. He said, I will come again. Yeah, but I'm looking around and all the things that are happening, it's getting worse, better than better. That's the way it's supposed to happen. But he said, I will come again. But I don't know, people around me telling me different things that I'm hearing. I read different things on the internet. Stop reading the internet and open your Bible. I will come again. Let God be true and every man a liar. He said, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where you, I am, there you may be also. Your destiny is the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. He came the first time to begin some things. He came the first time to procure salvation for lost mankind. He came the first time to save sinners, and he's been saving sinners. He came the first time to start the church. Nobody knew about the church. All there had ever been was national Israel. But he said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But y'all, he's coming a second time to finish what he started. He's coming to get his bride. He's coming to take you home with him. He's coming to glorify you and transform you with immortality and incorruptibility. And you need to know his coming will be quick. All you car guys will like this. The Greek word for quickly, you know, he said, I am coming quickly, is the Greek word teku. And it is from that word that we get our English word tachometer. Your vehicle most likely has a tachometer on it. And you don't ever pay attention to it. You always pay attention to the speedometer so you won't get a ticket. But the tachometer is important because it tells you essentially the speed of the engine. That's why it says RPMs, the rotations per minute. The speed of the engine. Connect the dots. Your engine's moving fast. And the Bible is trying to tell us with that Greek word that when Jesus comes, y'all, it's going to be fast. There's a man in this church that has a bullet Mustang, and he let me drive it. It has six speeds. I had never seen a gear shift with six on it. I said, this is going to be fun. And I cut out of this parking lot, and I said, you better hold on. 
And I went, and he said, Pastor, you got from zero to 74 in three point something seconds. I was kicking it. Don't y'all do that. You are not permitted to do that. I've already done it, so I can tell you about it. I want to tell you today, when Jesus comes back, he's not coming back in first gear. He's not going to come back with second gear speed. He's not coming back with third or fourth or fifth gear. It's going to be sixth gear. It's going to be zero to 70 and not 3.6 seconds, but it's going to be zero to 74 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. He's coming. Now, what I'm about to preach, some of you aren't going to like, but you need to hear it. There will be no time to repent of your sins. There will be no time to get to church. There will be no time to run to the altar and pray. There will be no time to make things right with God. There will be no time to utter the sinner's prayer. Y'all, that's why you better have, you better be prayed up now. You better have things right with God now because he's coming back for a saved people. He's coming back for a people that are living right and he's coming back for people that are looking for him. Do I have anybody in this church that's saved? Do I have anybody in this church that's living right? Do I have anybody in the house that's looking every day for Jesus to come? Come on, give him praise in this house. And in light of his imminent speedy return, Jesus says that he wants you desperately to hold fast to your salvation so that no one may take your crown. There is a crown waiting for you in heaven. I think a man had a dream one time. I think it was a God dream, and he said there were cases one glass cases, one right after. He said, just more than you could ever see. And an angel took him up and showed him. And inside that case, there was a crown. He said, what that? He, what's that? He said, that's yours. It's waiting on you. There's a crown waiting on you. It is not the diadem crown, the crown of rulership and authority. No, this crown, and this crown is referred to many times, even though we will rule and reign with them. This crown is not that crown. The Greek word is the word Stephanos. It is from that word that we get our English names Stephen and Stephanie. And it simply means victory. It's the crown of victory. It's the crown of conquering. It's the crown of overcoming. In New Testament times, and you've probably seen this. If you've ever watched Gladiator, I think they have like a metal version of it. But, but you've seen it in old movies. They'll take... And you know, but like for the Roman times, they would do not, not that they had movies in the Roman times. Don't don't give that that wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But anyway, that they'll take movies about Roman times, and they would take laurel wreaths and twine them together, put them on people's head. Okay, that's what we're taught. That's a Stephanos crown. And when they had the public games, what we would know much like the Olympics, and they would compete if you won in your category in the disc throwing or the javelin or the marathon. They would give you a bronze, silver, or gold medal. You would get a Stephanos crown. Well, Pastor, that didn't seem like much. Oh, yeah, not everybody had one of these. Only winners. Y'all ain't hearing me. I said only winners wear those crowns. Only those who fight and overcome get those crowns. 
Only those who cross the finish line get that crown. And they would get that crown and they would wear it around. And everybody who saw him looked at him and said, there goes a winner. There goes a conqueror. There goes somebody that came out on top. That's not a loser. That's a winner. And what, what that says to us, Jesus says, don't let anybody take your crown. That's the remuneration, the reward for you getting saved and living for Jesus and not giving into the devil and not bowing to this world and compromising the things that you know that are right. This is you fighting and taking your licks and, 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 and getting in the contest and not quitting, but overcoming and enduring to the end, crossing the finish line and, and winning the race and winning the contest. That's what it is. And then you get the victor's crown. If, it gets, if you get a crown from Jesus, it means you won. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, Paul was facing death as a martyr. And he told Timothy, probably his last letter that he wrote. It's the last letter in the New Testament that Paul wrote. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Therefore, finally, there is laid up for me. See, there's laid up for me. Maybe that person who had that dream had that thing right. Somewhere in heaven, there's stored up for you and for me. The crown, the Stephanos, that's what the Greek word is, the Stephanos, the crown of righteousness, the victor's crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me also only, but watch this, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I'm just preaching today. Don't you fall in love with this world. Don't you fall in love with the people of this world. Don't you fall in love with the things of this world. He's coming back for people that love him and are loving his coming. Who say, I love heaven and I love Jesus more than I love anything on this earth. That's who he's coming back for. And there's a crown laid up for you. And when you get it, everybody in heaven will know that you made it through. Jesus wore a Stephanos crown when he hung on the cross. It was not woven of laurel branches or oak limbs and leaves, but rather it was woven from a bush that grows in Palestine that has thorns an inch and a half to two inches long. The Roman soldiers wove that crown and shoved it on Jesus' head. He had already been beaten they put a purple robe around his shoulders and stuck a rod in his hand as, as if it were a scepter and they bowed down mockingly and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they mocked him. And that crown probably hurt, but more than that, to them it represented humiliation. It represented defeat. We're about to put you on the cross and take you out. And Jesus just took it in stride and said, what you see as a crown of defeat, I'm about to turn into a crown of victory. Because you Roman boys have no idea what's fixing to happen. Because you're not going to take my life. Nobody does. I lay it down, and I'll take it back up again. And they put him on that cross, and they thought they killed him. But no, he laid it down. He's the one that cried, it is finished. 
He's the one that gave up his spirit, and they put him in a tomb. And three days later, he said, it's time to take it back up again. And he came out of that tomb in resurrection. But come on, y'all, the babe of Bethlehem came out the resurrected Lord in Christ. And the next time we see Roman soldiers, they're not nailing him to the cross, but they're laying on the ground knocked out cold. And he came out the victor. Now, this wasn't in my notes, but I saw something that a preacher put on Instagram, and I said, whoo, that's so good, I'm going to preach it. Dr. Tony Evans, I'll never be able to preach as good as he can. But he had just put one little thing on Instagram. He said, everybody wants the crown, but not everybody wants the cross. The crown goes with the cross. Jesus got the crown, but he had to go to the cross. You have to go to the cross if you want to get the crown. That means you got to get saved. You got to go to the cross and believe in what Jesus did if you want the crown. But more than that, little holiness preaching here, look out, holiness preaching in 2021. You got to live right. You got to crucify. What what is a cross? A cross is a means of execution. Okay? So it only has one purpose. They don't, they don't, you don't go down to the prison where they execute people, and when, when they're not executing people, they take the electric chair into the dining hall and slide it up, and people can sit on it and eat dinner. Right? Nobody takes it home, props their feet up, and watches TV. It has one purpose. Right? One purpose. And that's to kill things, kill people. Crosses have only one person to kill things, to, to, to execute. And Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you must take up your cross. You've got to crucify your flesh. You've got to crucify those desires that pop up and rise up in you because you still, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And sometimes our bodies want to do things that our spirit says, you better not. That's wrong. And how do you win? You walk in the Spirit and you crucify your flesh. You nail it to a cross and say, you're not getting your way. That's the only way you make it. If you want to get the crown, you have to carry the cross. And I said, well, that sounds so depressing and sounds so much like life is about dying, dying, dying. Well, just, no, but he didn't say just take up your cross. He said, follow me. Get in my presence and stay there. And listen. It's a whole lot easier to say no to the world when you're always hanging out with Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, and I'll just follow him. And I'll just go wherever he goes, and I'll do whatever he tells me to do. If he tells me not to do something, I won't. But I'm just going to get in his presence, because in his presence there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And when I, just as long as I'm with Jesus, real true Christians, they're the happiest people in the world smiling and laughing. They don't have to drink something or shoot up something, do they? We just laugh. We have a good time because we have the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. So I can crucify my flesh and still have a smile on my face. I can crucify my flesh and I can still laugh. I can crucify my flesh and still feel like I'm having a good time living in this life because I've got Jesus and his presence. And if you want the crown, 
Do you want the crown? Do y'all want the crown? You got to go through the cross. There are forces that want to take your crown from you. They want to rob you of your ultimate victory. They want you to lose. They want you to live a sinful, defeated life. Listen to me. Listen. The devil wants to steal the crown off of your head. This old, corrupted world. and Man, we live in it and we're, we are blasted by its concepts and ideologies and philosophies and principles all the time because of phones and tablets and computers and television and and it's just constantly laying into us and we're having to hear it and try to filter it and, and then block it out. But if you listen to the world, you listen to the way people talk in culture and society, what politicians say, go down the list. All they want to do, y'all, is steal your crown. The bad company you keep wants to steal your crown. The unsaved person you are dating, listen to me, they want to steal your crown from you. The liberal professor at your college who doesn't believe in God wants to steal your crown from you. The skeptic at work who's always questioning what you believe, they want to steal your crown. I came here this morning to tell you, don't, don't you ever... Let go of your crown. God gave it to you. You may not have it yet, but it's essentially yours. It's virtually yours. Don't you let it go. God gave it to you. You hold on to it. You keep a hold, a tight hold of it. Don't ever let it go because you're too close to the end to quit now. Jesus is coming soon. Don't forfeit eternal life. Don't forfeit your righteousness now for anyone or anything. You hold that crown. What if I gave you a crown of gold with encrusted with, with jewels and it was worth millions of dollars? Oh, more money than you could ever imagine. And I said, it's yours with one stipulation. You have to wear it all day tomorrow from the time you get up to the time you go to, go to bed. Would you do it? Would you go to work? With that thing on your head? What's that? What are you doing that on your head? You look stupid. You look like a fool. Hey, y'all, come in here and look at this guy. What happened? Did you drink too much last night? What's wrong with you? Get that thing off your head. Nope. I said get that thing off your head. I'm not. You don't get that thing off your head, I'm going to take it off. Oh, no, you're not. We ought to do that with our faith. Come on. No, you won't. Oh, no, you're not. I'm not going to let you. Would you wear it all day? Would you wear it in Walmart? Going to Grady's? Target? Your favorite restaurant? Everybody in the restaurant staring at you. Now you're trending. Would you do it? Some of you aren't sure. 
God hasn't given you a multi-million dollar crown. He's giving you a crown that will give you eternal life. His presence forever. Would you let anybody take that crown? You'd fight them, wouldn't you? You'd do whatever you have to. Listen, that's what I'm saying to you today. You've got a crown that you cannot afford to ever let. Let it trend. Go viral. Let them make fun of you. Let them talk about you. You're different. You don't, you don't cuss like we cuss. You don't, you don't tell the jokes we tell. You don't laugh like we do. You don't cheat on your wife like we do at work or when we go off on business trips. You don't get drunk like we do. You don't do this. You don't, you all, you're always nice. You're compassionate. You're kind. You forgive people too easy. You ought to go get them back. Go key their car. Why are you so nice? You're different. See, anybody walking around with that kind of crown in their head, that's different. We're different. But we're marching to a different drumbeat. We're headed in another direction. Don't let go of your crown. This morning, you worship the Lord in a variety of ways. Some of you clapped your hands. You sang to the Lord. Some of you raised your hands. You shouted hallelujah. You talked to the Lord and told him how much you loved him. You exclaimed to him words of adoration and praise and worship. Many of you may have cried. Every once in a while we get excited around here. We'll jump up and down and get excited and walk the aisles. And a few of us get so much of the Holy Ghost on us, we'll run. Get that spirit of Elijah on us. Why would you run? Well, you stick your finger in the light socket and see if you just stand there. Well, did you stick your finger in a light socket? No, but I got a touch from God Almighty. If you got one, you might act crazy too. I I feel something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to jerk, jump, shout, whatever. Some of y'all need a touch from the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm messing now. I'm messing now. But one of these days, You're going to worship him in a way that you've never done. You're going to get to heaven, and the Lord himself is going to walk up to you. You'll probably shout for an hour and a half, finally get settled down, come back over, and he's going to take that crown, and he's going to put it on your head. Hallelujah. I don't know about y'all, but I'll probably start shouting right then. Great God Almighty, I'll be shouting all over the place. Glory be to God. Feeling the, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. Y'all, I feel him. I feel like, ooh, like electricity running through me. What a time it's going to be. I'm going to shout and rejoice, and I believe the Lord's just going to grin and say, go ahead. Go ahead and have your way. You've been waiting on this a long time. Go ahead. Whew. God, if he just touched me one time, Lord, to feel his hand touch me. God Almighty, just if you breathe on me, that's all I want. I'm getting tore up just thinking about it. It's going to be awesome, isn't it? But let me tell you what's going to happen. I don't know how long you'll get excited, worship, whatever you do, but there's going to come a point when you're going to get your sobriety back, if you will. And when you finally settle down, it's going to hit you, and you're going to grab that thing off your head, and you're going to walk up to him, and you're going to bow down before him, And you're going to cast that crown at his feet. And you're going to say, I'm not worthy to wear that. I didn't do anything to wear that. I know you said I did, 
But the only reason I won is because of you. The only reason I made it through is because of you. If I hadn't had you, I could have made it one day, but you helped me. You're the one that saved me. You're the one that changed me. You're the one that motivated me. You're the one that gave me the Holy Ghost that helped me to make it every day. I don't deserve this, but you do. And you'll cast your crown at his feet and you'll worship him like you've never worshiped him before. Are you looking for that day? I want you to stand with me in this house. I believe like the 24 elders in the book of Revelation, you'll cast that crown and you'll say, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive blessing and glory and honor and power and majesty and might and every other word you can think of, you're going to say, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. So here's the question I have to ask you. Is there a crown waiting for you in heaven right now or are you still in your sins and do you want that crown and do you want to be saved today because you can because he's here he's here thanks for listening be sure to join us Sunday mornings our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045 For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.